everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on True Story FM. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with Nikki Kinzer. Hello, everyone. Hello, Pete Wright. Ugh, Nikki, how are you? You good? I'm doing great. How are you? Yeah. So I just, yeah, I, had to, good. I had to watch this movie called The Mist, Stephen King movie. The oh. Mist. Yeah, are you into you're, you, you into Stephen King adaptations, movies? Oh, no. No, I knew the answer to that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so spooky. You know what's in The Mist? H.P. Lovecraft characters with tentacles and spiders that shoot acid webs. And oh, so, oh, yeah. such a great movie. Uh, and yeah. uh, yes, it has become a metaphor for my experience with ADHD over the course of the last oh, 36 no. <laughs> hours. What is in the mist? You're never going to know. You just don't know. There's no way. <laughs> we have very favorite com- uh, we have great conversation with one of my very favorite people on the show. Before we do that, head over to Take Control ADHD and get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to the mailing list, and we will send you an email each time a new episode is released. You can connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at Take Control ADHD. And if this show has ever touched you or helped you make a change in your life for the better with your ADHD, we would appreciate it if you would consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon is listener-supported podcasting. Every dollar you contribute each month allows us to make decisions around further supporting and growing this show, adding new resources, doing new things, and uh, we deeply appreciate it when you do that. Head over to patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast to learn more. I was introduced to Victoria Castle by way of her book, originally published in 2006, uh, and the message then just hit me at absolutely the right time. It completely reframed my worldview on what it meant to have, and I say have in like all caps, air quotes, have, and and the fear that comes with not having anything. Uh, Over the years, uh, Victoria herself has become just a champion of people's greatness. She's spoken and she's taught internationally. She's led courses and workshops. She's done the corporate keynote circuit. Uh, We met very recently by way of another podcast, The Change Paradox, with our friend Dr. Dodge. And I am just delighted to say that we've become fast friends. I'm thrilled to be able to bring her energy to the ADHD community today. Victoria Castle, welcome to the ADHD podcast. Thank you. I am delighted and honored and looking forward to what we're cooking up. Outstanding. I welcome. It, it's just, you know, I, I sometimes feel like our job uh, with this podcast and with Nikki's coaching is an effort to search for metaphor in a way that engages a new spirit, right? Like in, a, a way to look at the world in a new light to switch on a worldview that helps you engage and energize around something you're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is what really spoke to me about the trance of scarcity. Uh, I, I've loved it for so long, it just puts me in the spirit of openness that I, I find I'm easily tricked out of, right? It, it's, mm-hmm. it, it helps me develop a muscle of looking at the world in a way that... Um, you know, that is that is more positive and optimistic and open. Could you start by telling us what the trance of scarcity is? <laughs> what is happening in our lives when we find ourselves in it? How did you stumble onto it? Mm, yes. Oh, yeah. 
Because it seemed to be there for yeah, everybody. Right. Like, where did this come from? And how did I get it on me? Why? And how do I get it off me? <laughs> right. And why is it so hard, like, to find the language to describe the things that we're struggling with? Yeah. And for me, part of it was, you know, I, I was sitting in meditation, like, please make this clear to me. What is this? What is this about? And is there something that I'm to do here? Because yeah. I kept seeing it. Like I had a set of distinctions that other people didn't seem to carry with them everywhere they went. And uh, I'm an old enough kid that I remember who Groucho was. <laughs> and when he would ask a question, remember, it would float down. But I think the the duck or whoever had it in his bill with the paperclip sure. or something. And so I said, what is this? And it said, it's a trance. And by the nature of a trance, it kind of wipes out everything else and asserts itself as truth. And then we don't ever question it. We don't ever go, hey, wait a second. I, I, that's not for me. I decline. We just go, oh, right. Yeah, this is how it is. There's not enough. Everybody knows there's not enough. You just got to get on with it and do the best you can and, you know, really work hard and maybe someday you'll have your thing. And I was like, I, uh, I do not <laughs> want to participate in that. And so by seeing that it was a trance, which was a really pivotal moment for me, it's like I understood how to go around behind it and see the workings and how to intervene, mm -hmm. how to interrupt it. So it didn't have to be true for anybody. But it's basically um, the prevalent presumption that lack, struggle, and separation are the defining reality. And there you have it. So if that's the world you're living in, you know, good luck. Mm. Yeah, and, and it seems like so many of our, speaking of metaphors, so many of our metaphors of success are about acquisition in a pie that has a limited number of slices, <laughs> right? Like, mm -hmm. I, I have to get mine because if I don't get whatever it is that I'm getting, then, uh, you know, somebody else is going to get it. That, that life and success and accomplishment and productivity becomes a zero-sum game. And being worthy. How do I prove myself to be worthy so I get some slice of the pie? Mm -hmm. And who am I going to have to beat back so that I get a big enough slice? So it, it sets up a terrible kind of hunch and um, competition and how do I get rid of you? How do I look better than you? What do I have to do here? Who do I have to convince? Who do I have to prove? Who is it that is the, at the control panel that's saying, yes, we'll give you a little mm -hmm. more today? No, 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 you don't qualify. So it feels like there's very little within my reach that I can actually do to shape the quality of my life. And I wasn't okay with that. <laughs> I didn't like that. I understand that. <laughs> I don't yeah. like it either. Yeah. <laughs> ah, well, that doesn't sit well with me. No, uh -uh. it really doesn't. And that's what, uh, that's what really attracts me the, to this conversation and, and sort of pairing the, the trance of scarcity with living with ADHD. Because how often mm -hmm. do you hear those kinds of discussions, those limiting beliefs, that limiting self-talk that says, I don't have enough time, I don't have enough focus or attention, I can't have the things that I want because I can't live in a space where I can can put what I need to put into them to get them. And so we, I think it is easy and natural for us living with ADHD to habitualize 
that mm. sort of, of language, the language of, of lack, the language of scarcity in terms of time, attention, focus, that, that sort of thing. And, you know, one of the things you say in the book, it's, it is broadcast so loudly, we don't even hear it anymore, right? Yeah. It's just so natural. We, we don't question it. There's not enough. Everybody knows there's not enough. Time, money, resource, kindness, you name it. There's not enough. Mm-hmm. You know, you people who might want to live high in the sky might want to keep believing that, but really, there's not enough. So get in quick, get what you need, um, be the absolute best possible being you could be. So, because maybe that'll get enough attention that you can get a little more of what you need. But it's a scramble. Welcome to the scramble. Mm-hmm. Not the gracious, generous, flowing stream that anybody can partake of anytime they want, and it doesn't deplete the stream. That is not the model that we're working with. Whew. It makes me angry thinking about it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because it's a bill of good, we've been sold by people who bought there wasn't enough, who bought the story. There's not enough. Only the people that are extremely special will ever get to participate in this. You know, it's just like, too bad, too bad, too bad. And then you look at simple things like getting into a school or getting into a class or an advanced class or to the university that you want. It's like, sorry, you didn't make the cut. Right. Because our our standards are way higher than yours. Like, ah. It's interesting that you mentioned that because I have a client right now who is uh, studying for her GRE. And... Uh, and what's so interesting is we've been talking a lot about the beliefs and and the fear of her studying for it. And mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that that came up was if you fail, and she would say, "Well, I'm it's my fault then because I didn't study enough. I didn't yeah. do everything I could to have passed that test." And that's immediately yeah. where she goes. And then trying to detach the outcome at all. And mm-hmm. l- let's not even think about the outcome. You know, it's still really scared to think of that too. And then to 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 throw in, well, what if you do pass? What what if you pass? Then what's gonna happen? And it's just like it's so much it's such such a lighter conversation. And you mm-hmm. could even hear in her voice, it was like all of a sudden. Like, oh, that's a that's an option. Like, I can really do that. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I might be able to do that. Well, I think that's yeah. I, so, I think that's such a great point because it really gets to the heart of of our of what we have put in our own programming. That it is so much easier to assume the worst, and I know exactly how I'm going to feel when I quote fail. I know exactly <laughs> how that's going to work, but I don't know right. how to have a conversation authentically about what it could look like when I succeed. I am terrified of that conversation. I don't know how to do it. If we were just fantasizing, if we were just speculating, if we, everything was possible, if you were going to put all the things on your your um, collage that you wanted to have on your collage, what would be there? Mm-hmm. You know, would success and ease and pleasure and kindness and love and generosity, would they be on there? And I think many of us, I mean, I, I can certainly speak for me, I was raised to be a good, kind, generous, loving person. And right on top of that was the layer of, and very few people are going to make it, and you're probably not going to be one of them. So, you know, get as tight as you can, as small as you can, as quick as you can, get in there first, 
which is like, okay, so I can either be kind and generous and fluid, or I can be tight as I can be and jam my way in there. Neither one of them are very appealing. So then at what point, I mean, literally, at what age are we choosing? I'd love to believe it was all friendly and sweet, but just look around. The reality is the likelihood of me being included, and certainly if I have this thing called ADHD where everybody knows that's a flaw to begin with, my chances are even less. My chances are even less. So there's a quiet training us to not trust greatness and to not trust it coming through us or to not see that we might be exactly what the universe is calling in because that's what it wants. And, and we often take ourselves out of the game before we've even done the first inning. When I, I sent this, um, that we were having this conversation over to our, our teammate, Melissa, Discord mom, and I said, just take a look at all this and, and let me know what, what comes from you as you read this. And, and she wrote this quote, after a lifetime of struggle and strain, we've become suspicious of pleasure, ease, and flow from the book. Her take this is exactly the struggle of so many of us with ADHD. We expect that it is supposed to be hard. If it comes easy to us, we're probably doing it wrong. And that hit me right here, like right in the chest, wow. because yeah. that's exactly what we're talking about. We have trained <laughs> ourselves to operate in a vacuum of scarcity. Yeah, to, to quit before we even look at possibilities. It's just, it's just not going to work. You know, look, you, you got a long life. How can you get through it with the least amount of discomfort? <laughs> and there isn't anybody on the planet that isn't interested in having less discomfort. So you don't have to have any kind of certain focus for that to be true. We humans do not like to be uncomfortable, <laughs> which is why we jump to take reactions or we're uh, you know, wretched with somebody else and hurt them because better they feel it than I feel it, all these kinds of things, as opposed to, can I actually develop a capacity that I could feel something and not have it just take me out of the game? Right. It's like, oh, here's something I haven't thought about before. Or I notice I'm really uncomfortable. I can feel this kind of buzzing going on in my chest. That's my first sign, the buzzing in the chest. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty soon I can't so hear well. anybody. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yes, I'm very familiar with it. <laughs> and so, one of the great gifts to me that didn't show up until I was an adult, but was beautifully timed, was the experience of embodiment or somatic. And soma literally means the body as a whole being. And I was very good living from here up. I was, I was really very skilled. I was smart. I knew how to do that. I knew how to squeeze down all my feelings, squeeze down all my desires, you know, get that stuff out of the way. I'm just going to look sharp and bright and yeah, yeah, call on me, call on me kind of thing. And it wasn't until, and I was an adult, <laughs> like generations into being an adult, where I first was in a room when the topic was conversation and what do you notice in your body? And when the teacher asked that class, I thought, oh, shoot, I thought this guy was bright. What the hell is he talking about? <laughs> what do you mean, what do I notice in my body? What's there to notice? Yeah. And it wasn't until I developed a capacity to actually feel sensation, to notice things. And one of the first, bless him, bless all of the teachers, 
one of the very, very first things they'd have us do. So we'd all stand. And let me just say, this is a room of professionals who are used to being leaders in their fields. And we're standing in a dojo, like an Aikido mm-hmm. dojo, because that's what it was, out in Petaluma, California, you know, in the boonies. And literally, <laughs> literally had to drive past all the farms to get there. And we're standing there with our shoes off, because you don't wear shoes in the dojo. And we're all standing there, and they said, bring your attention to your feet. And I can't tell you how many of us went. <laughs> yeah, okay. And your point is? Staring, you're staring down at your feet, like, yeah. like as if feet. as if oh, you feet. don't yeah, even know them. that I got they're them. there. I see them. I yeah. got them. I got that part. Let's right. move on. <laughs> what do you notice in your feet? Well, why would I want to notice anything in my feet? Because as I came to learn, the more I am aware of what's going on inside of me and around me, the more capacity I have to take to move in the world. And to not be blown out by it because it's too much or it's overwhelming. And in the beginning, it is kind of overwhelming. I'm not sure I want to know what's going on in my feet and my knees and my muscles and my gut and my um, chest and my fingertips. Just really bring your, bring your attention to sensation. Mm-hmm. And part of it, what it showed most of us, is we didn't want to attend to sensation. For the most part, we didn't want to feel it. We didn't want to have to manage it. You know, oh, sensation, now I'm going to feel my sadness about that or my longing for that. And it wasn't until I entered (laughs) my own body (laughs) that I had some capacity to act in, in the world. Before that, I literally was a talking head. There wasn't anything here that was coherent with what my brain, my mouth was saying. Well, I'm I'm really mm-hmm. interested in that lesson in particular. And again, this is another reason I wanted to connect this back to ADHD because when I am because because I think and Nikki, I you know, check me when I start lying here. Uh, my <laughs> sense is and in my experience, uh it is I, I am most distracted when I am not aware of what my body is doing. And it is really easy for me to lose track of what my body is doing, right? It's why we have things like fidgets. It's why I'm playing with the with the cord, because it brings me back to sensation. It brings me back to, like when I'm flipping a pen or something, it gives me something to do that grounds me in my body. Otherwise, I'm running in circles, right? Because I am unhinged. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, so, like, how to remap that experience and increase awareness of of our sort of lived somatic life, like how we're in touch with what our body is doing more often than than maybe we are are living is one of those sort of key lessons I would love to get out of this conversation. What do you do to increase awareness? And and that's what that's why I really want to bring it up to people with this kind of orientation of like, why would I want to feel more? Yeah. It reminds us of how distractible we are, frankly. Like, when I when I do feel my body, I'm like, oh, God, of course I'm a wreck. Because this is how my brain's working. And my well, body is going like crazy. Too. Yeah, I don't, I'm not interested in, like, <laughs> uh, like the, the sea of the real. I do not want to sail upon it. <laughs> well, and so just the simple thing. So I, this is one of the things I would really offer, is that you do this in great kindness to yourself with a lot of respect and probably privacy in the beginning to just, maybe we can do it while while you're on the call if you want to, to just let yourself feel the sensation of your feet. Probably, you're probably sitting, whatever they're clad in shoes or socks or whatever, but just bring attention to sensation. 
and it may be, I don't feel anything or, oh, they're a little cool or, um, wow, my toes are sore, just whatever it may be. But at the entry level, what do I notice? What is there? And don't ask yourself like, okay, let's move to the next part. Let's move to the next part. And let's move to the next part. Now, now, are you completely embodied? Are you ready to go? It doesn't come that fast. It's too terrifying, quite frankly. (laughs) If we're talking about sensation, it could increase and get very uncomfortable. And for me, I I really had to move slowly here because I was smart, but I didn't have a body. Mm -hmm. I was not embodied. 30 years ago, 35 years ago, when I started this particular focus of somatics i was like what and why would i want to mm-hmm. <laughs> it's interesting i think and and uh i don't know if this is going to be true for our listeners but when you had originally said something about your feet because i i practice meditation and i've practiced mindfulness um you know for so many years i and i did immediately go to oh how are my feet feeling? Are mm-hmm. they cold? Are they, you know, and I, and I went to that. And so I'm thinking, I know that more people with ADHD are having, you know, are, are uh, practicing meditation and mindfulness. And I wonder how many of them did go there, you know, mm-hmm. before thinking, oh, I need to see them. Mm-hmm. So any practice we're in that gives us more access to our whole being, yeah, I think is a good thing. And we want to be very tender with ourselves about how fast we move there. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I didn't want to feel that. Oh, now that's going to make me feel that. You know, so it, it's the same kind of thing. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm not qualified to come onto this playing field. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have some stuff that works a little differently than other people. So I'll stay back here. So I think the gentleness, if, if there was one thing I would invite all of you to do, is to be more generous, gentle, kind with your own self in, a, in any exploration of this. Mm-hmm. And I have a dear friend that's uh, actually an ADHD coach because it so mangled her life. She couldn't really see how to move in it in, in, a, in a profession that was screaming by her and she wasn't really able to keep up with it. And so she said her first move is take herself out of the game. Mm. Well, I'm not going to qualify for that. So I'll pull myself farther away. Might, might as well ostrich. Yeah. Yeah. So to just notice, you know, I particularly like things like body inventory when I'm in the shower anyway. Mm-hmm. Can I feel my feet? Can I feel the water on my feet? Can I feel my muscles in the back of my leg? Can I, can I feel my belly, my shoulder, my breath, whatever it is, from a sense of curiosity, not so I get it right so I pass the test. Mm-hmm. Because there's nobody there to go, well, you didn't do that quite right, so Mm -hmm. you'll have to move along now. And then to have it as a partner, one of my blessed somatic teachers of 30, 40 years, he's been my teacher for 40 years, he talks about doing your daily practices as as if they are the life raft that you crawl back into when you're in the sea getting thrown around. What can you come back to when it's all being turbulent. So for me, breath is the first place I start. Can I feel my belly? Can I feel my chest? Can I put my hand on my back? Can I feel my feet? Can I, you know, can I find myself? And 
doing that as a loving act, not like hurry up and get it all together because we got to go on in two minutes. Sure. And we're going to disappoint everybody and they don't expect much from me anyway. You know, just all of that story like, hi, honey, I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm right here. You know, it's just the way we hold babies. Mm -hmm. It's okay. I know. It's a big deal. I know. We're right here. You're fine. Yeah. 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 Which which I think is is terrifying if you are not accustomed to being in touch with your body, right? Meeting yourself physically for the first time in a long time is is a scary yeah. thing. It's a scary thing. It's it's why I think you know, meditation and mindfulness practices are hard too because living in the silence <laughs> of your own space, of your own sort of humanity is is hard if you're not used to it and it's noisy. And also See how the trance wants to come in and play all the time about the not enoughness, not sure. doing it right, right. Or quick enough, or like it's too loud. I, I, I can't do that. I can't do that. Don't be asking me to right. do that. Can you take two deep breaths instead of one? Sure. Can you count to ten while you're exhaling? Can can we find a place where we partner with what's available to us and not make it wrong? Not immediately go to, well, of course I can't do mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. We're talking about the value of kind of finding your own body and somatic experience, but I, I don't want to, you know, move through this conversation without at least reflecting on the value of uh, other people's bodies. <laughs> you know, uh, ADHD is an incredibly lonely experience. And, um, you know, of course, everywhere, but in our community, which is amazing. Uh, but there's a, there is this certain magnetism to people and messages that are derogatory to ADHD, right? It, it's, it's like we kind of relish in the stories of, of lack, that you can't have this accommodation, you can't have this, mm -hmm. uh, you know, mm -hmm. we're not going to remove this barrier for you. You know, if we do it for you, we have to do it for everybody. Like, we... Those are those are messages that are easy for us to hear because we've heard them a lot. You know, don't think of a of an elephant, right? It's the first thing you think of as an elephant. Um, how does loneliness, this sort of loneliness, magnify the trance? Uh, dangerously, <laughs> because if I'm if I'm only calling on what I know and hear, then I'll call on the stuff that already knows that I'm a loser. I mean, we, I think there's a point where we have to become very careful, and I would say to get to neutral, to just neutral, takes a while of practice, of breathing, of meditation, of walking, of whatever it may be for me. It's like, okay, I finally found myself. Now, what is it I'm asking for from me? Or what is it, do I, what is it that I have to offer to myself in this moment? Oh, you know, I could give myself 10 minutes rather than five. I could call somebody or say, hey, are you available for a chat? Mm -hmm. I, I'm getting stuck. I, this is where I think allies and buddies are just essential. And so I'll go back to my room in the dojo or, or my course in the dojo. And there were about 60 of us in there. Can you imagine looking bad in front of 60 people all the time? God. Yeah. <laughs> and we all were terrified about looking bad in front of each other. But it was like, Ooh, don't, don't, don't look over here. And then what, what cultivated, what came forward, because we all saw that we were all learning together. And the quicker we learned, the more we could help somebody else. And the quicker they learned, the more they could help us. And we could all 
become embodied rather than talking heads on a stick, Mm -hmm. taking up as little space as possible because we wouldn't want to inconvenience anybody. And so it was a, it was a beautiful learning experience and also very frustrating and um, often humiliating because we would have such opinions Mm -hmm. about ourselves and how we showed up and we shouldn't have done that. And everybody else got it and I can't get it. So I don't, I don't want to do anything. And all the stuff that's packed in there can I breathe in the presence of another human being? Now that seems so small and ridiculous, but literally, can I take an inhale and an exhale with somebody else in the room or, or on the phone mm-hmm. that somebody else knows that I'm here? Is that taking too much time? Am I using up too much of the resources? You know, I, I immediately want to go to lack, 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 lack. Because that's what the trance seeds the world with. Mm -hmm. Not enough. Not enough. Not enough. Well, and here we are coming out of this time as the world sort of is waking up right Mm. now, where we haven't been able to be in the room with somebody else and take two two breaths, right? We have not been. And that's one of the things that I notice, you know, I I find humanity grounding and lack of humanity is that Mm. that sort of loneliness, the lack of like regular physical interaction with other people um, is is hollow. It It makes existence a bit hollow. There's only so much Zoom can do. Eye contact is great. Also, feeling the warmth of other people and with some regularity is is engaging. And it drives us right back up into our yeah. heads where we already make home base anyway. Right. So if we can come down at all, I mean, we, we have a friends to another couple who um, have some similar training um, and we really love each other and we want to take care of each other. So for a long time, we Zoomed and finally we said, do you think we could meet like in one of our houses? Because we both have living rooms that are big enough. We could easily be six feet apart. We all wore our masks. We did all that kind of stuff. And it was this lovely container that we were building to expand and to feel more and to be able to feel something and express it in front of another person. Oh, mm. golly. Do you remember when we did that all the time? Yeah. I know, right? Where we <laughs> like, didn't oh, even think whoa, about it. This is yeah, so exciting. Yeah, I, I have a question, Victoria. Um, you were talking about meeting in the middle or being neutral. Can you explain a little bit more what that means, or give us uh, an example of of if you're coming from that place of lack, where do you meet? Where do you find that neutral? What does that look like? I think. Being able to notice that my predisposition is to lack and to seeing everything through that is really helpful. Because then I go, no, there it is again. I'm just looking through the same lens. So what would it be if I was five degrees more towards center or whatever it might be? It's also in the body. Can I feel my feet? Can I put my hands on my knees and actually feel the sensation of that? Because that interrupts the uh, endless conversation of not enough, not enough, not enough. Well, I don't know. I have my hands on my knees and I can feel that. So that's not quite the true story anymore. Slowly, uh, kindly, I just can't emphasize because I took the beat yourself up as much as you can, as quick as you can route. And I really can't endorse that. (laughs) (laughs) I was always yeah. wrong. I was always bad. I was always too late. I was. Yeah. 
I mean, I so lived the trance for the first 16 years of my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had friends that loved me dearly, and I knew that they did, but they were that little pod. But the world, oh, the world was not impressed. The world didn't want what I had. So anything that lets me offer kindness and receive kindness. And, you know, we can do that. Like when we're going to bed at night, you can just put your hand on your belly and go, whew, let's take five breaths. Let's mm-hmm. just have five breaths. However we do them is perfect. All the way in, all the way out. Oh, and that's when we start to see that clinch that so many of us have that we can't even let go of when we sleep. Mm-hmm. It took me a long time to sleep with my hands relaxed because I was always on duty. I always Ugh. had to have something to show for it, you know, and God bless my parents. They were wonderful and they had a mission for me and let's hurry up and get on with it. It's so interesting you say that because I just have noticed in the last couple of years and I've been able to... um to notice it so I, I can relax. But yes, right before I'm going to bed, I'll, I'll lay down and then I'm not falling asleep. So I'll take a deep breath and I'll notice like where the tension is. And I'm not kidding you. My hands will be like as tight as possible and especially like my jaw. Oh, And yeah. then as oh. soon as I like let that go, I fall asleep. But I don't even know how long it's like It's like, all I need to do is that. And I remember talking to somebody many years ago. And I said, oh my God, I think I drool at night. She said, oh honey, that's so thrilling because your jaw is relaxed. (laughs) The small price to pay. I for me it's my, my back it gets it will throw itself out of whack and I've gotten to the mm. point now where I feel like I, and I've been really practicing at this when I when if I like bend over at the waist like I just sort of hinge at the waist and let my hands hang um I, it used to be that I would, like, it, nothing would happen. I would just be a tight mess, and I would try and shake out my shoulders. But I've really, I, honestly, I started doing yoga. What? Who ever knew that I would do that? And now I feel like I have, I have gotten to the point where I can actually sort of, on demand, release my back. And now, if I hinge over and I just sort of really focus on that space, it will zipper Y'all like straight up, pop, 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 all the way down my back. And I feel like a completely different person. And I am, like you talk about, sort of waking up to the physical experience generations Mm -hmm. into my adult life. And here I am learning how to release tension in my back. Uh, that that is that is just the compression of a day of stress or a week or a month. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is a new experience for me. Boy, that's so splendid. Anything that we do repeatedly, if we can find a way to just slightly alter it. So I'm going to let my arms swing. I'm going to let them be heavier while I walk. Even if I'm just washing dishes, how can I do that in a way that I put stuff in the dishwasher differently than I might? Anything that reminds me that I live in a body and gives me cause to celebrate that I live in a body. Because a lot of us have been raised to not like it at all. Right, right. It's just this thing. It's a limitation. Yeah, but maybe not. And, you know, the kind of things we're like, oh, God, if I really let myself stretch, you know, that felt mm-hmm. good. So maybe I could privately do it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, no, I'm doing these kinds of things. One of the things that I'm most interested in in this, like I, I feel like we often living with ADHD, we don't have great aspirational, like day to day role models of 
productivity mm-hmm. and focus and strength. And so we have written this map uh, for us of what it looks like when a successful version of us, success being in quotes, uh, is living. So when I'm when I'm struggling. Surely I know what success looks like because, like, the image I have of it is somebody who has rece- is receiving these accolades and making more money and doing all these mm, things. Mm, but, mm-hmm. but that's not often a realistic map of, like, it's not <laughs> something I can really aspire to day to day. It's not realistic and it's not grounded in, in who I am. And I would love to sort of redefine that map. Uh, that template for that I can aspire to when I'm feeling like I'm broken uh, to help rebuild mm-hmm. through the lens of of the trance and the other side of the trance, which is the cycle of abundance, right? So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what it means to be wealthy, right? Not not necessarily <laughs> monetarily wealthy, but wealthy, um, and and how might that help us sort of guide us to a new map? Mm, nice, great question. For me, abundance, and I played with that word for a long, long, long time, and certainly while I was writing the book and since, abundance distills down to living in the world with ease. So it doesn't mean I'm smarter, it doesn't mean I have more cash. I'm living in the world, in my body, with ease. Rather than strain or stress or push or force or counting or any of the stuff that's going on. So what does ease feel like? I don't know. I mean, really, when I stood in that dojo the first day and the um, teacher said something about, what do you notice in your legs? (laughs) Like, all I wanted to say is not a damn thing. And why are you asking? (laughs) Why would I? Come on, go, go some, go talk to somebody else. But to be at ease. And for me, I say, where do you know you're at ease now? Maybe when you're in the bathroom by yourself. Maybe when you get in bed. Maybe when you're with your family. Maybe when you're doing the things you love, cooking or running or any of those kind of things. That you're at ease. You're you're actually not using more effort to produce anything. You're letting it kind of flow through you and you be a part of it. So living in the world with ease. Just for a moment, think about Where is that for you? And even if you can only find one or two moments in a day, that's two moments that somebody else doesn't have. So when you are at ease, maybe you're talking, maybe you're by yourself, maybe you're in your prayer time or meditation, maybe you're doing your laps in the pool. where Where do I allow ease to come into my life? Whether I deserve it or not. That's uh, that's really interesting. So I'm trying to think about it for myself. And uh, there is a, there is a moment I record a lot of podcasts, and it it <laughs> tends to be kind of a high calorie burn for me, like because I'm sort of like I'm paying attention and I'm on, and I like my attention is like it's a struggle because I'm like okay, be here now, be here now, right here now. Don't let the, the notifications turn those off. Be here now. And there is a moment. When I press the turn off the recording, when we're finished, there is this little space that in my head and heart, I am celebrating the relief of, of not having to be in that mode anymore for just a, just a minute. And I don't think I've ever thought about it that way until just now. 
that is that's a place of ease for me because the hard part is over that's beautiful yeah i don't know what do you got nikki you have one hmm i think uh i think being outside is definitely a, a place of ease for me especially when it's nice out um i think also like listening to my kids talk either Mm. you know either they're talking to their friends or they're talking to each other or they're talking to me but just listening to them having those conversations always brings me ease and just joy you know um yeah i mean i think there's i think there's just little moments you know having that first drink of coffee oh so good a wonderful thing we make it could we make it three seconds rather than one Yeah. yeah that that's that's when we start putting a little finesse in and go I'm going to smell it yeah. before I sip yeah. it. I'm going to feel it as it goes down. Plus, I'm going to love how the mug feels in my hand. And mm-hmm. It's just the right size. Mm-hmm. And yeah. 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 So to increase the pleasure in, in very small ways until, because every time I do that, every time I pick up the mug, I can feel the weight, my arms involved, my heart's beating. I'm more present. Mm-hmm. Huh. Huh, more present. Is being present a good thing? I think it could be. <laughs> Absolutely. And I just thought of something of why, because I was thinking, well, why is it bringing me ease to hear my children? And I know why. Now it's because they're at home and they're safe. That's what's bringing me ease. Oh, sure. Yeah. Because they're teenagers. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And teenagers yeah, are not easy. <laughs> <laughs> one one of the favorite times for me, we have two dogs, two 45-pound dogs. I walk them in the morning and my husband walks them in the afternoon at some point. I mean, we figure that out however we want. And sometimes we both go with each other. But I love walking with them in the morning because sometimes it can be quite early. And we go on trails in the woods and they're happy and doing what they're doing. And I'm happy doing what I'm doing. And it's all good. And I, I don't have the, oh, are they okay? Is anything going to hurt them? It's like, well, we know these trails. We can be here. We're not, I don't have to present to anyone when I get back yeah. about how we did. And there's, you, you know, if it was, uh, if it was styrofoam, it'd be falling off all the way down, all the holding of got to do it right. So to be at ease is really a lovely um, practice to cultivate. In the shower, all that gorgeous hot water on you, we can be at ease there. We can stay the extra minute and go, oh, right there, right there, yeah, right there. Mm -hmm. To be at ease. And then, (laughs) here's the place I want to keep watching. As soon as I'm out of the shower, okay, now I'm drying off. Now I need to be efficient about that, and that can only take three minutes, and then i got to get my robe, and then i got to get ready for that. No, no, no. How we intrude upon our ease, our sense of spaciousness, which is our sense of worth. So if there's a default about, well, you know, I have ADHD, so nobody's expecting me to be particularly great. It's like, "Mm, maybe let's look at that one more time of how to come in with that. The more at ease I am, the more valuable I am. The more I can hear what you're saying and be able to respond to what you're asking of me. Well, and that's really hard to do, right? When you're so focused, I guess, on what I'm hearing is, when you're so focused on what's going on in your own head, how could you ever possibly find the generosity required of you 
to be aware of, to be truly aware of what is going on in somebody you're talking to or in this meeting that you're in or mm. whatever, right? If if all you can do, I know this is speaking again for me, when I am most tight is when I'm, when I get lost in the, uh, in that experience of wondering what everybody else is thinking of me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Right. Am I making the cut? Am I doing it right? Yeah. Are they giving approval? Are they going, are am, they am showing I, disdain? Am I fidgeting too much? Is my leg moving again? Am I, like, can they see that I'm <laughs> doodling just <laughs> frenetically on my tablet here and have no idea what's going on? Right? Like, those are the things that that cause me to go inside my head and lose connection with my body and and find mm-hmm. distraction. And uh, and I guess that's that's really what I was hoping this message would be that that ease is it's not it it's not just a woo woo thing right you are giving yourself permission to exist and to be happy and to be satisfied and that's okay that's okay yeah, and yeah. being able to practice that allows you to be generous. And gracious with what you offer to other people. And offering more to other people allows more to come unto you. It is just how it works. It's just how it works. <laughs> it, it is, and beautifully said. And, and I, I think, too, the thing that I would ask or offer to anybody listening is kindness to self. Start there. Mm-hmm. Generosity to self. Start there. <sighs> Can I take two breaths? You know, I actually could. I'm going to take both of them. Oh, can I feel my seat in the chair, my feet on the floor? Can I give myself those tiny little things that we don't think of as gifts, but we're basically endowing ourselves all day long to be here in this present moment where the trance don't live? Because mm-hmm. the trance is over there somewhere. And here is where ease and flow and possibility and generosity and gratitude are always floating around. So I'm just going to let myself swim in those waters rather than hoping that I'll make the cut. Mm. I love it. I do. I love it. I think this is a, it's a liberating uh, conversation and we don't get a chance to kind of live in this sort of liberating space that often. So I really appreciate it. Uh, Victoria, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Oh, I I can't tell you. I'm really thrilled about this. At first, I thought, what am I going to have to say that's of worth <laughs> oh, to anybody? <laughs> well, look at you. <laughs> but then, oh, yeah, these are people. Yeah. I'm t- people. They're people. All right. Okay. Yeah. I've already got an in. Yeah. But And exactly that, that for all the stories we have about ourselves or all the stories that other people put upon us of you would never understand or you can't get it together or I, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not fast enough, all of us have a human mm-hmm. being that's in our care. And we can be kinder to that human mm-hmm. being. And so, like I say, if you can feel your feet, that's an act of kindness. And then let it build from there. That could have been the title for your book, Start With Your Feet with by Victoria Castle. I, li- <laughs> I like the one you ended up with, but... Uh... Those draft copies must have been a hoot. I had an excellent (laughs) editor. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. Uh, This has been a real treat. Thank you. Definitely, we'll have the link in the show notes, uh, The Trance of Scarcity. It's uh, in Amazon, and you can get it, and they will send it to you, and you can read it and start with your feet. (laughs) Yeah, you can start with your feet. Thanks so much, Victoria. Thank you both. I appreciate you. Pleasure. 
And thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to this show. Thank you for your time and your attention. Don't forget, if you have something to contribute, head over to the Show Talk channel in a Discord, and you can join us right there by becoming a supporting member at the deluxe level. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer and Victoria Castle, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll see you next week right here on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. <laughs> <laughs>